Welcome back to the Rad Dad Podcast. Zach, Joe, with you. Adam, without power, but could be joining us momentarily. He is, uh, you know, just being a rad dad, trying to uh, get his kids to bed um, as he is at uh, another place of residence, trying to get them to go to sleep before school tomorrow. Uh, Thanks, Big MLGW. Yeah, massive storm, which, man, we got hammered here. Um, But a lot of power lines are obviously down in in Memphis and surrounding areas. So uh, hope that Adam can uh, get that restored and and join us here soon. But, Joe, good evening. It's uh, it's been a minute. Uh, I guess last time I saw you was uh, at wonderful Milan Country Club. Absolutely gorgeous. Milan Country Club, where hey, you you throw six inches of rain on that bitch in an hour, drains right off, baby. You're good to go. Totally fine. Good to um, go. <laughs> hey, you're a little shaky that second day on the first couple holes because you might or might not have drank thirty alcoholic beverages the night before. Hey, she's forgiving. You know, yeah, into it a little bit. Uh, speaking of that, uh, today. Was the uh, as we record this Thursday evening was the final day of SEC Media Days in Nashville. Uh, it was pretty easy to pick out the uh, the ones that might have been overserved on Broadway and surrounding areas on Radio Row this morning. There were some uh, there were some flush faces. There was uh, not as not as uh, enthusiastic handshakes when I was going through telling everybody good morning. Um, so some people were getting into the uh, get into the sauce a little bit on Wednesday night. A little work, a little work for the wear. Yeah, uh, but everybody powered through. It was, uh, it was. So this was my first, believe it or not. I have been involved in sports media and, and, and radio for a long time, but never got a chance to go. Never had to with the different job titles that I had. Had a chance to go this year. Ton of fun. Got to uh, as uh, my colleague at, at On Three, JD Piquel, put it when I first uh, interviewed him. He said, "Man, it's like it's like college football Twitter come to life. Like everyone's here. You're like seeing everybody in person for the first time. Like, uh, you know, had Andy Staples on our old podcast. We've we've talked a lot. Now he's a colleague of mine as well. Very tall in person. Yeah, he's. He is, a, he, I mean, he was a hey, was good enough uh, lineman to get on the team at the University of Florida. So obviously." Has good SEC size, things like that. Yeah, I mean, he's probably 6'3". Damn. Maybe a little taller. Um, Spelt now compared to what he used to be, though, right? Yeah, looks good. Um, I, I, I never saw him when he was, you know, at his playing weight, but I imagine that he is much smaller than he was when he was playing football. But, yeah, it was good to see everybody. Got to see some old colleagues. Shout out to uh, Rob Fisher. Brett Norsworthy, they were in attendance, hung out with them. Uh, shout out to the Preds for the free media party on uh, Monday night. Um, as I was telling people there, like, hey, you tell a bunch of members of sports media, open bar and free food, and people are going to show up. Everybody everybody behave themselves that night? Yeah. Um, I, I did see uh, some people from a very popular uh, – TV channel at the hotel bar that looked like they were having a good time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, from, from what I remember, cause I did, uh, I did Uber to and from that night. So I, I, I didn't get out of control, but, but the, the grand Hyatt hotel bar has a pretty good old fashioned. Um, <laughs> so I'll say that it was good. Um, man, I tell you what, they redeemed themselves today. They had free food every day. Nice. Um, 
that was provided by the hotel. A lot was left, uh, I guess, a lot left to be desired for most of the week. Today, barbecue, um, had some coleslaw, mac and cheese. Nice. Um, pretty good. They had all the, they had Carolina sauce, they had Alabama white, they had barbecue. Pretty good. Oh, I got, I got to ask you, because I, I saw it, and and I just wanted to get your opinion on it, but uh, as you mentioned, Andy Staples was was in Nashville, and mm-hmm. he said that he had been requested to go to the Peg Leg Porker by mm-hmm. a lot of people and went to the Peg Leg Porker, and while he was underwhelmed by the sides, the ribs there looked absolutely fantastic, like absolutely fantastic. Okay, I'm so I'm not a big ribs guy. Gotcha. But uh, I do appreciate their sauce. I think the sauce on like their wet barbecue is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, the ribs did in the picture looked very good and it looked like it was oh. a dry rub, which I do yeah. like. I, I do appreciate a good dry rub. Um, but yeah, I for me in town, if I'm picking barbecue, I'm probably. I don't know. Edley's is close to us. We go there a lot. I like their smoked wings. Um, and I like their sides. I feel like that's kind of a thing with like Southern restaurants is like, if you have good sides, it elevates everything else. Correct. Correct. I like that you said smoked wings. I think smoked wings at barbecue places are a great go-to if you're just not in the mood for like, if you're in Memphis getting the wings at central barbecue, Mm. absolutely amazing option good option there and everything yeah i did get on the um the stephen godfrey hates my team bandwagon today by the way what do you say so uh the battle of the bones is is coming back which was uh a rivalry for years between the university of memphis tigers and the university of alabama birmingham blazers um glorious trophy rack of ribs and um Stephen Godfrey might have uh, might have retweeted a picture of that and said, "Well, if they're doing the best ribs, I guess it belongs in Nashville." I was like, "Oh, that's it's tough. Yeah, that's a tough scene." But but um, then I, but then I see these ribs from this peg leg porker place, and I'm like, "I I I, I it's hard so, for me to, things look amazing." Yeah, so that's what I tell people and even like I tell my Memphis friends and I have to preface it with like, hey, don't get offended. I'm not saying the barbecue here is better. It's just that Nashville has just a blend of everything. Yeah. Like they have brisket places here. Like there's a like certified legitimate Texas barbecue place down the street from our house that, you know, owner operator. I'm pretty sure damn near everybody that works there is from Texas. Um, and then you have your regular Memphis barbecue places here. You've got, um, you know, some, some Carolina flavor here and there. You've you yeah. got, a, you know, barbecue places do a lot of smoke stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, maybe he didn't mean it to be derogatory where he was like, oh, yeah, Nashville just kind of has a little bit of everything. I think he knows deep down that Memphis as a whole has better barbecue from top to bottom. Well, and I would say that I think one of the things that Memphis struggles with sometimes with the outside perception barbecue is that we don't really, other than central and maybe barbecue shop, the barbecue shop is relatively small. We don't have like those, like I remember going to a place in Texas called Pecan Lodge in Mm -hmm. Deep Ellum, Dallas gigantic place you could bring kids you could do it huge and it's mm-hmm. like if if i tell you to go somebody goes where's your favorite you know barbecue sandwich in memphis and i tell them well pains we're well, not taking your family of eight to pains like pains is where you're going and if it's two of you you're eating there if it's more than that you're taking it away i feel like memphis sometimes struggles with that experience of we have absolutely world-class barbecue but we don't necessarily have the atmosphere at those world-class barbecue places w- with all of them we, we just right. don't and yeah. and to me that's a charming thing i like the way Payne's looks i like the way cozy corner looks i like those places but at the same time i understand Ops. if i'm like a person with like four kids or i'm a person coming in from out of town and i'm pulling up to Payne's, i'm going yeah where this guy send me you know it's i it, it's it's tough and i feel like I just feel like Nashville does a 
better job. That's hard for me to say. I feel like Nashville does a better job with that kind of stuff. Well, than than Memphis does sometimes. Yeah, it's like it's more commercialized. Um, yeah. If you want to use like a like a socioeconomic term, you know, it's very gentrified barbecue. Yeah. Like it's made for it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's still good barbecue. It's just yeah. the venue is like set up for more people. Like in Memphis, the venue is set up to make good barbecue. Yeah. And you just come and get it. Yeah. Um, but like, that's been like my thing. I've said this about barbecue and fried chicken places. I think I've said it on the show. The shittier the establishment looks, the better the food's going to be almost yeah. nine times out of 10. Um, I mean, some of my favorite food in Memphis is Alex's Tavern. And I mean, if yeah. you take a, if you take it out of town or at Alex's Tavern, they're looking at you going, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think like Elwood Shack is very underrated and it's one of the best spots in Memphis and it's in a and, Lowe's parking lot. Yeah, and a and a absolutely amazing menu top to bottom. Like yeah. you can't you can't order incorrectly there. Correct. And I think that's a big thing with the restaurant too, is that if you can, if, if you can bring somebody that's odd and they can get something that you're like, I don't know what the fuck that is. And they like it. Then I think Elwood Shack is good with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of my favorite spots that I don't think gets enough credit. I don't give it enough. I, I should talk about it more. I used to get it all the time when I worked off get wells, like right down the road from it. But Tom's been there. I mean, it's yeah. been there forever. Like, I want to say it's been there like eight. Let's see. I'm going to do a quick Google. The best. I think the best barbecue bologna sandwich. I love that. Their bologna is absolutely delicious. I mean, that place has been there. I'm on their website. I'm trying to find it. I mean, a a Greek guy opened it in Memphis, so it has to be somewhat old. Yeah. So it was like a, uh, it was like an old school, like Greek deli. Um, And then, yeah, Greek family, just because uh, it was called Taylor's Grocery for a long time. And then they turned it into, I guess they added barbecue. And then that's kind of what they are now. But isn't that in Oxford, too? Yes, yeah, so that's just Taylor Grocery. Taylor Grocery, yeah. So this is like Taylor's. Um, so they built it in 1950. So it's been there a while. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like Texas is like that because I, uh, when I would travel a lot for work and we would do big outings, we would, um, if the weather permitting, because man, do you want, we can get into that topic eating outside in the summer. Like, unless I'm in like Denver or California, that's a no go for me, dog. You just don't like like sweating all over your food, making it like kind of wet and salty. Like, I, I can't eat hot things outside. <laughs> Like, it's just not fun. But, um, but yeah, Texas, like they have those big, you know, Texas barbecue places that have like big gathering spots outside, you know, picnic tables everywhere, green spaces for, you know, dogs and kids. And, um, which I, I, you know, I, your, your point stands when comparing it to Memphis, but like, I, I kind of like the way Memphis barbecue is where it's like, Hey, come get a plate and, and take it out and go eat it on the hood of your car. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, I think I love that. Um, it's like, uh, it's like my boy on TikTok. Um, I can never remember his handle, but he he's red beans and rice guy. He goes and eats a different red beans and rice spot every Monday in and around new Orleans. Like he's, he's gone into Mississippi. Um, but you know, in new Orleans, I imagine he's got a ton of places to go. Yeah. But, but like his thing is he he goes in, gets the plate, you know, he's got the the Tupperware, he goes out or not the Tupperware, the the to-go box, and he goes outside and then he he does the reveal, he opens it, and he his his line is when he opens it, he always says, Look at this motherfucker. Um because it's just, you know, red beans and rice, pork chop, cornbread, yeah. like it's um but yeah, like I I, I kind of like that blue collar. Memphis barbecue. We're like, yeah, if you've got a place that's like, you can sit inside like OG commissary, tiny place in there. You go to the, you go to the car, everyone. And it's a lot more woke. Like you got tons of places to sit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned, you mentioned Godfrey getting you in your, 
getting you in your feelings about about Memphis and and the Battle of the Bones. But you know, college football is damn near right around the corner. Hell yes! Like I completely just blinked, and July was just gone. Yeah. Um, media days is you know I saw somebody I cannot remember who it was on Twitter, so I apologize. It was like they said that media days is like Thanksgiving is to Christmas. That's very like it signifies like the downhill, like we're almost there, like we're in the home stretch. Yeah, because I'm trying to think. So I guess AAC media days is coming up, correct? Next week, baby. So I think most of the other power five conferences are I think ACC is next week. Pac-12 is right now, right? It just started up today. Might be. By the way, very interesting conference this year. Um, fake new dead spin saying it's not interesting is garbage. Unbelievable. Yeah, Pac-12 Media Days. Uh, full schedule. It will start. Yep, tomorrow in yeah. Vegas. So, yeah, it's everybody's pretty much getting talking seasons almost already over which it was man there were some times in the big room where it was super cringe with some of the questions like the amount of people in the in the early parts of the week that were asking about northwestern's hazing scandal yeah like nobody's going to answer or talk about that one it's not big 10 media days correct no these people care like, I mean, they care, like it's a terrible thing to happen, but like that doesn't affect, you know, Dude, it doesn't you might really... want to bring him on your staff as an analyst. So I'm not going to say shit. It's like, Hey, might, might be, might be going down to Tuscaloosa. Yes. Uh, say you know, do, do a little rehab stint. I mean, you know, you got people like asking Nick Saban, like now Nick Saban did open the door. He was using a lot of weird, like old man metaphors. This I was going to say, but he's, he's, um, I don't know if he's getting into his element now or what, but it just seems like he is embracing that he, I think deep down inside, he knows he's probably too old to be doing this, but he's like, fuck it. If they're still going to pay me, I'm going to do this shit. So yeah, his opening statement was something like talking about, uh, or no, not his opening statement. Somebody asked him about his quarterback situation and he essentially used like the metaphor of like, it's like when my, you know, when grandma Saban used to bake a cake and she would have to explain why we leave it in the oven a little bit longer because we don't want to pull it out too early and it turned to mush. We got to let it sit in there and develop. Yeah. And so he was like, that's what our quarterback is quarterback room is right now. We just got to let it develop and see what, see what happens. Which by the way, much better than Spurrier back in the day who would just be like, I'll play both. I'll play every quarterback we got. I don't care. Yeah. Much better. Um, there were, you know, there were some good, um, like, I mean, somebody uh, today asked Nick Saban, like, or not Nick Saban, asked Lane Kiffin what he thought about the Tennessee NCAA investigation and, like, the sanctions or, you know, the fine. It's like, why, why are you going to ask him? I get, like, the angle where you're like, I just want a sound bite. Like, I want Kiffin yeah. to make some kind of snarky comment. But, yeah. like, the opening question you're not even going to ask him about his team um so you got that and then uh, the stuff that when media people start a question with now talk about oh like they're going to talk about it just yeah. ask the question i feel um, like and, and i didn't i didn't you know uh, shout out northwest with northwest mississippi community college but i didn't think <laughs> any journalism classes uh there but i feel like that would be something a journalism professor would talk about is like don't ask questions like this yeah and, and i will say shout out to our buddy hartzell he was there we we got to hang out uh and, and big michael server l underscore serberino was also there we hung out all week now, Hartzell was like, I use talk about sometimes, but I was like, okay, you can be a little crafty with it with like when you're formulating a question and then you kind of throw it in there. But when you just immediately like, hey, I'm Paul from the the Mobile Bay Register. Hey, coach, talk about like 
Yeah. When you do the double whammy of like, you call him coach. Yeah. And then you say, talk about, um, that always kind of makes me kind of resituate myself. Who of all the sec coaches hates being called coach the most. I've got one in my head that I can just think despises that. Um, it's got to be Saban. I was going to say, I think Saban probably just hates it. Saban's probably like, you know, you were never good enough to ever play for me in any facet <laughs> of your imagination. Do not act like I would ever have stooped so low as to be your coach. Did you I see? Am, I, am, I am Mr. Saban, okay? <laughs> Did you see his quote about when somebody asked him if there's any players on the roster that remind him of himself when he played at Kent State? No. And he was like, I hope not, because I wasn't good enough to play at Alabama. <laughs> so he was like, if they remind me of myself, they don't need to be playing. Um, so that was pretty good. Uh, I, thought, I thought Lane's answer to the guy that said he looked like him was pretty good. That whole back and forth. Oh, that was pretty good. I was in the room for that, and that was pretty much, I mean, everybody just busted out laughing. I've been going to um, talk to my dad about that one. Yeah, and then and then he and then he was like, next question. And then the moderator was like, ah, that's a good place to end right there. <laughs> We're not going to go down this road. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like the units that were there. Like Joe Milton, massive human. Yeah. He, he was very big. I mean, a lot of the D linemen, those are obvious big dudes. Yeah. Uh, one guy that really shocked me. I knew he was a pretty good sized guy. Landon Jackson, who plays at Arkansas, uh, formerly of LSU. Uh, he's now at Arkansas. He was massive. Like, like some of the broadest shoulders I've ever seen, super tall, and probably still had like a 34 inch waist. Like, that was crazy to see in person. And then on the flip side, you got today, Spencer Rattler might be the same size as me. Like he carries the weight better, um, maybe like an inch taller, but like I knew he wasn't a big guy, but he like walked right in front of me in the big room. We're all at our tables to go to like the breakout sessions and like the smaller stage. And I was, I was kind of shocked. I was like, Oh, not very like Kyler Murray in a way. I mean, Kyler Murray's shorter than me. Um, I'd say Rattler's probably five eleven, six foot. Um, But yeah, I thought I thought he was closer to like six one, six two. Um I thought he was that just because he seemed kind of lean. And I thought he was like a lean six three or something. You know what I'm saying? Like visually, that's what he looks like to me. Yeah. Kind of like CJ Stroud's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I I'm trying to think of some more. I mean, they're, they're Probably one of my favorite little things, like Shane Beamer brought a punter, which is just vintage Beamer ball. Like he brought, he brought Spencer Rattler, a punter, and he brought a defensive lineman whose name is Tonka. Here we go. Which is amazing. What um, I thought it was kind of interesting, and I I don't know if he was asked a question about it or brought it up, but uh, Judkins apparently was talking about kind of his position going forward in the NFL and how that's kind of starting to be true. I thought that was kind of interesting, kind of having him talk about like potentially what his future is and how it's not, it's starting to not look great for NFL running backs right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's another thing that, that that's, it's kind of wild um, with, because like NFL running backs are not getting drafted super high. I mean, you had Ezekiel yeah. Elliott that went really high a couple of years ago. Um, so they're not getting that big time first round money. Yeah. And then Saban used the term, the NFL is the not for long league. It's like true. The, yeah. The lifespan of an NFL player is not super long. No. Um, which is Kiffin talks about it today. Great for kids to have NIL opportunities now because you can get money while you're in college because yeah. the NFL is not guaranteed. And maybe you do get drafted and maybe you make it. But then, like you said, running backs, like it's, it's, you know, um, what's it? Uh, what's her name? Olivia Rodrigo, you know, would say, you know, damn, it's, it's brutal out here. 
Um, well, and, and, and my thing is, I mean, I don't know, because when I when I read the quotes from him, I was thinking about Lane Kiffin, and it's kind of like, well, I don't even know what a coach could do to help out a player. Like, if you're a running back, you're a running back. Like, that's just what you are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know what a coach could do even nowadays to, you know, help you. I, I just don't think it's there in the NFL anymore. Yeah, and it's a different game. Maybe and running backs are like, like a, a Nick Chubb or a Derrick Henry, where right. you know, <laughs> and 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 maybe DeAndre Hopkins sees something in him. I don't, but Derrick Henry is essentially a quarterback. Like he is the focus of an offense. You know, Nick mm-hmm. Chubb is a quarterback. He is the focus of an offense. Unless he who must not be named is better this year for me, hopefully. Um, but it's just odd. Like I, like I almost felt bad for him when he was talking about that and reading the quotes. It was like, shit, man. Like that kind of sucks. Like you're, you're literally one of the best people at your position in the country and you're looking forward going, I don't know what there is for me. Yeah. I mean, pretty, I mean, like anything in the NFL, it's all about fit. You got to get to the right organization. You got to be utilized properly. Good coaching, all that like depth chart has to help you out. Like you can't be just thrown into the fire you know, Peyton Manning with the Colts. Hello. Like his first couple of years sucked. Like he, yeah. he was not good. And he also just got murdered every week. Um, yep. So, so yeah, like you gotta, you gotta find a good landing spot in an offense. That's going to use you well. Um, and, and Judkins is kind of a, a mix of like a throwback, but then he also runs, you know, he's, he's in a very, uh, you know, modern offense now that's pretty much yeah. used everywhere. So that helps him. But yeah, like you look at running backs at places like in the big 10, which everybody is pretty much shotgun adjacent now, but like, yeah. Think about if you're like a really good running back at Iowa, like that sucks. Cause First nobody's time, you, doing you that. Made, you made the mistake of going to Iowa. So I don't, I mean, I don't feel that bad for you. Yeah. Well, Playing for Kirk Ferentz, I mean, was there was there anybody that was there, player or coach wise, that you saw or you interacted with, where you said, "Man, this is different than what I anticipated." Um. Huh. I would say because I wasn't there on Tuesday. But I was there every other day. Um, Wait, so did you miss Drinkwitz going through his entire uh, depth? Chart? No, no, no. I, I was there for that. His <laughs> filibuster was a joke. Um, he didn't come off as dorky and like try hardy as I thought he would, um, because like that was like that was like a bit. Yeah. Like he was trying to go the whole time so he wouldn't have to answer questions. Yeah. Um, but he really wasn't as as dorky as he seems on Twitter and. Um, stuff like that. I, I thought Kirby was a little more personable down to earth than I kind of thought he was. Uh, he actually gave a shout out to South Haven. He was talking about in the off season, he was like a travel baseball dad. Oh, gotcha. And said he spent a, a lot of, a lot of time in South Haven over at Snowden Grove. Um, going to, uh, going to 10th Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Like, I haven't been able to personally interact with him yet, but I I agree with this. Everybody says that Sam Pittman is just like the coolest. Yeah, and he's, I he's I that way. yeah I dislike who employs him, but like I feel like yeah, like Sam Pittman would be awesome to hang out with. Which is it sucks because like I just think he's at a he's kind of at an impossible place i yeah. think and it's just i mean there's uh, there's been what or, i mean are we gonna count uh well i don't even know was i was gonna say there's been like two people that have won big there i mean go, uh, like if like going way way back of course but i mean modern day wise did Houston Nut never got to like a sugar bowl or anything. He got to Cotton Bowl, 
but he never got to like a sugar bowl or anything there. Bobby got to a sugar bowl. Yeah. Bobby had rolled. Yeah. Houston had him there, you know, had him rolling, but he just couldn't get over the hump. But like yeah. Petrino was within, which I guess Houston Nut was, well, Houston Nut got him to Atlanta, do you not? Because if they would have, um, my memory might be incorrect here, but if they would have beaten Tennessee in that one game, it was at Neyland, there was a fumble, something weird happened, and that was a year that they could have maybe gone over the top and they couldn't. It was when the, the kid with glasses that passed away played for Oh, them. Burlesworth. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah because that was Remember the that year. Game? Was it Neyland? It was raining and stuff? Yeah, that was the year that State went to Atlanta. That was it, okay. Because so, Arkansas had the, like, phantom fumble. Exactly, exactly. Because that was, I think, maybe his best team there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, Houston Nutt had Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis on the same team. Yeah. And then you had the run with Ryan Mallett, you know, RIP to the legend. But, man, that Petrino team, whoo, they were – I mean, they had, they had Alabama – on those those booties were tight that day, which that's why it blows my mind that Jimbo can't just sit there and say, "Hey, I'm going to allow a guy who obviously say what you want to about Petrino. Bobby Petrino can he can call a football game, okay? I don't know why Jimbo can't just say, "Yes, he's in control. I'm ceding this power. I'm doing that." Like, no, oh God. That's so just that's such what, dysfunction for uh, – And that's Jimbo's, like, problem. Like, he he had all the opportunities in the big room, in the breakouts, in one-on-ones with big-time media people. He could have said, Bobby Petrino will be calling the plays this year. He had every he, – he had 37 And nobody chances. would have thought him on it. It's not like it would have been some controversial thing. Yeah, I mean – I even made the joke today when I was interviewing a, an A&M reporter. Just like, you know, hey, you know, is, is Jimbo going to actually, like, let Bobby cook? Like, what's the deal? And he was basically like, I don't know. Because, like, you know that's going to happen. You know in, like, a game in, like, late September against, you know, I don't have their schedule in front of me. Let's say it's, like, Rice. Yeah. And it's, like, 24 to 17 or 24 to 13 and the yeah. offense is just sputtering and Jimbo's just going to yank the headset off of him and start calling plays. Like, you know, yeah. it's coming, which just blows my mind because Bobby Petrino is up there with some of the best offensive minds in the last 20 years in college football. Yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's, it, uh, I just I, I, got a dude, got a dude from Louisville to win the Heisman. Like, I mean, that that Louisville team like dog walked a top five Florida State team. Yeah. Um, now it helps when you have like one of the best playmakers ever. Yeah. But still, like he recruited that guy and he still coached. I was him. Say, he he was the guy that instead of saying, "Hey, you can play safety for me," he said, "Well, you just come play quarterback. Like it's obviously what you're good at. Yeah, come play quarterback for me. It's fine." Yeah. Handled it much better than Lane Kiffin handled Alshon Jeffrey when he was at Tennessee. <laughs> when he was like, if you don't come here, you're going to be pumping gas. Which little, is just a bit aggressive. Just a little bit aggressive. A li- little bit. He was uh, young. He was young. <laughs> he didn't know any better. No. Uh, no. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I would say. Anybody else that kind of stood out to me? Um, I would say, honestly, like Kiffin was a lot more laid back and and personable than I thought he would because he's normally just like doesn't want to be there. He's going to give you the coach speak like he was. Now, he did say he didn't wear a tie. Greg Sankey didn't either. They said that was both to honor Michael Leach because Michael Leach never wore a tie. Um, But Kiffin actually, I think he told someone that he made made it a point as best that he could because he had to eventually talk ball at some point. But he said he was going to do everything in his power to just talk about nonsense and just anything but football because that's how Leach would do it. 
And he was like, you know, it's talking season for a reason. Like, let's talk yeah. like, look, you know, we'll, we'll have all the months in the fall to talk about football. So today we can be goofy and have fun. Well, like him playing ball with the guy that asked him the question about being his doppelganger or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. There, there are certain coaches in the country that would not entertain that at all. And, right. and he entertained it. And you know what? It probably let him not get asked too serious questions because he decided to entertain that guy for a little bit. You know, it's certain – some of these guys get it. Some of them don't. I mean, it's just what it comes down to a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I will say I had a good – I had chance to talk to uh, folks from – the media from both Texas and Oklahoma. Um, they're excited next year. Media days yeah. will be in Dallas, which yeah. not happy about, but I get it. Two new members are trying to throw them a bone and yeah, get it close to them. Not, not but I'm not happy about it. Um, that's going to suck, but uh, they never left Hoover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that Nashville was fine by me because this is right down the street. Um, but uh but yeah, they they you know that's that's something I've like I keep forgetting that I keep forgetting Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the SEC July first, twenty twenty four. Little nuts. That's a uh... yeah. What? Well, 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 that and I, I'm I'm completely I I don't know how I don't remember this, but will that coincide with SC and UCLA going to the Big Ten? Uh, oh, is that all next year? Let's see. Um or is that 25? Let's see. They are going August 2nd, 2024. So okay. the Big Ten will keep its east and west divisions through the 23 season. And then when SC and UCLA are official members next August, um, it is a near certainty the conference will then switch to a single conference layout for scheduling and championship game qualification. How dare they not go back to leaders and legends? Leaders and legends. Fucking bullshit. I'm kind of cool with that. Like, I like the Pac-12 where it's just like, there's no divisions, two best teams. Yeah, two best teams, yeah. Because I'm cool with that because you can also do, you can also utilize that format to do more conference games. Yeah, do and do away with meaningless non-conference games. Yeah, the the buy non-buy essentially. Right, like you know what they, they, the the SEC has SoCon, you know they have SoCon week that's always like first or second week in November. Um, the Citadel, baby. Yeah, uh, Georgia. Uh, I guess Georgia Southern's not in it anymore, but. Yeah, those random teams. Like, uh, no, nobody wants that. Like, no, yeah. nah, man, just play more conference games. Yeah. Like, I'm fine if you want to. Like, I, I hope Ole Miss keeps their uh, home and home with SC. Yeah. And I think it's 2026. Uh, I think that's it's either 25 or 26. Like, I'm I, I'm I'm planning yeah. on going to LA for that. Yeah. Um, so I and, and that would be really cool for not only a big 10 team to come to Oxford, but like SC. You could also create another California meme for Ole Miss. Like the kid in Berkeley, just ripping the vape, you know, just create another one of those. God, let me find that. Dude, that, that dude was ripping a huge cloud. That dude, that dude went out to Berkeley. It was just like, man, this place fucking rocks, man. Like, this is awesome. I had my he, misconceptions about California, but this place is sick. He probably bought that 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 weed pen while he was there. It was like, oh, 100%. oh yeah. this is sick. Why didn't I come to school here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. got, to go, got to go all the way there to see a Matt Luke team lose. Like, what's his what's his point of like you can tell he's kind of trying to hide it, but it's like, dude, what do you like? And then I love the uh I love the my 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 man standing next to him's already got that dad stance. I mean, just ready to go. Ready. To, I mean, he's oh god. Yeah, because that was fourth quarter. That was that was nut cutting time. He was hands on the knees. He's he's stressing. That's a tough flight too because that's a 
I want to say, unless you go to Nashville, that's a layover flight in, I think, Phoenix or Salt Lake. So if you're coming from the Memphis airport, that's not an easy, that's easy hard. flight out there to Oakland or San Francisco. Yeah. And it's a decent little drive to Berkeley. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was not in attendance for one Hugh Freeze. Um, I will say I did see the word count for opening statements. He almost won it. Brian Kelly had the least amount of words in his opening statement. Hmm. Let me see. So what did Hugh, Hugh just kind of... That's weird. He's he's playing the hits, man. He's just doing what he always does. So Brian Kelly had 650 words. Hugh Freeze had 665. Clark Lee had 684, which I was not there. I was not there for Clark Lee, but I watched it on TV. That dude, now he might be sincere and maybe he turns it on up to another gear when he's coaching. That dude about put me to sleep with what he was talking about. And maybe it's because he's talking about Vandy, but he's going to say it's tough. It's yeah. A tough I mean, that job, it, the, the literally you're like, well, we're in Nashville. Like, that's it. Like that job sucks. Shout out James Franklin. <laughs> he said it, not me. Uh, Zach Arnett had 816 and then everybody else was over a thousand. Kirby smart, 2,648 words. He was, he didn't like Drinkwitz was just under 2000 words. Yeah. Kirby, like, so Drinkwitz just straight up went through the depth chart. Exactly, yeah. And was just talking about everybody. Kirby Smart was just doing his hokey, nah, I'm just Georgia boy up here talking. Yeah. Like, he did that whole thing. But I would have thought that Drinkwitz had more words. I was in and out during Beamer uh, doing interviews and stuff, so, like, I didn't see and sit down for his whole thing. Um, yeah, I definitely would have thought that Jimbo and Saban and Drinkwitz were up at the top because Saban just talked a lot. And then Jimbo talks a lot, but he also talks super fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, like Kiffin, Sam Pittman, Mark Stoops, they're right there in the middle. Mark Stoops. Yeah. Mark Stoops, not very tall. Very average looking like human. Squatty, like power lifter type guy. Yeah. Josh Heupel, big, tall guy. Much taller than I thought. Because, you know, when he played, he didn't look very big. I was going to say, he didn't look big when he played. You know, it's funny. I, I think of Kirby and was his, was his shtick kind of, was it up more than normal? Because I, I I don't think there's pressure on them this year, but they have the they have the opportunity to do something unprecedented this year. Like, was he kind of upping the shtick a little bit to kind of can I distract from what we have the opportunity to accomplish? Maybe like he was he was kind of downplaying it. Like at one point he was saying. He doesn't pay attention to the outside noise of a three-peat. And then five seconds later, he knew the exact year that Minnesota did it. So it's like, okay, you you know. Yeah. Um, You don't have have to pay attention to outside noise because it's inside the program. I guarantee you that they're talking about that. Well, also, and like I was talking to uh, a guy from Sports Illustrated that covers Georgia, and he said the same thing. He was like, oh, they know. Like he he's like a college football historian. Like he loves – like fun facts and tidbits. Like he knows Minnesota did it. Now that was back, you know, when there were like nine different polls, but they were the national champs. The, the UPI poll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like Kirby was almost kind of doing this really fucking stupid thing where it's like, he didn't come out and say it, but it was like, it's just us against the world now. Like, dude, Maybe it is in like a way where it's like, dude, everybody hates y'all because are so good. Yeah. That's maybe, true. maybe that's what, like, that's true. 
But like, dude, as long as Carson Beck like just doesn't crash the Bugatti, like they're going to three P. Yeah. I mean, I mean I think my thing is like I don't but what's weird about him is like I don't I, I I feel I feel as if when teams have been really good in the past, I've disliked them because I've just there's been a multitude of things. But mm-hmm. with Georgia, the only reason you can really dislike them in my mind is they're just really fucking good. Like I I don't find Kirby Smart annoying. Like I like Kirby Smart just fine. I I tend to like most of their players. Like I don't find anything like super hateable about any of them. Like, yeah, they just win too much. Sorry. Yeah, and like, I it's I mean it's the it's the new and improved Alabama model where yeah. every year it was like okay, well Alabama lost this guy, this guy, this guy, and then you're like. Well, they're just going to figure it out because they have similar guys that are just waiting to get their turn. Yeah, there's actually a better guy who probably should have played last year but didn't yeah. and to play this year. Like, that's what happens in those situations. Yeah, like, it, okay, so-and-so's gone to the NFL, bummer, but this guy here was the number one ranked linebacker in the country. And he's and, an absolute freak. And, yeah, he's here now. So – um. Yeah, they're going to be fine. I, I, I'll say this: the the Georgia guy I talked to, he said it not me. He said he thinks the only game that Georgia can be challenged in this year is the Ole Miss game, which I think uh, he might have been throwing me a bone as he was talking to me, and he knows I cover Ole Miss. But I think Tennessee will absolutely give them some trouble. Oh, there's a he just hasn't watched tape for Joe Milton. He just hadn't watched tape. <laughs> He hadn't seen him overthrow that guy by 15 yards at the Manning Passing Academy. No, kid's fucking uh, loafing. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I, I mean, it's pretty much Tennessee. And, and Ole Miss is not beating Georgia, but that's, in my opinion, a game that's going to be, you know, 48, let's say like 48-28 when the clock yeah. hits triple zeros, where, yeah. like, Ole Miss is going to score some points, but Georgia is just better th- than them at every position, yeah. and it's not going to matter. Because those games, like you, you can't turn the ball over. You, you got to hit all your deep shots. You got to score in the red zone. You got to score touchdowns in the red zone. You can't kick field goals. I mean, that's just a tall task on the road against the two-time defending champs. So, but who does? I mean, if if you were to stab Kirby with some true serum, I mean, national wise. Who truthfully scares them? SC. If, if, they, if their defense comes around, I mean, I was gonna say if Alex Grinch can can find some like, you know, Michael's secret sauce to give to his defense, like. But that's the team. What I was just saying, they can score in the red zone. They can they can test yeah. you deep. Um, they they got to find somebody to replace Jordan Addison. Um, and yeah, they got to figure out the defense. They got to figure out a way to stop people. They also got to get through the Pac-12 because they got to. Pac-12 sneaky, like Pac-12 is sneaky good this year. I mean, they they really are. And I know people shit on them, and especially where we're from, people shit on them. But the Pac-12 is going to be sneaky, kind of fun to watch. No, I was talking to people about that all week about how like that's like chaos league. Like that's a fun, it's a fun league. That is, I want to have Sundays off at my job. So not only can I be miserable and watch the Browns lose, but I can stay up and watch great Pac-12 football. Because, I mean, look, you got SC, obviously, at the top. Yeah. Uh, I I think he's fine. Cam Rising, if he's 100% and he's good to go, you know what you're getting with Kyle Whittingham. As long as they're healthy, they're, they're perfectly good. Yeah. Washington, in my opinion, is the dark horse. Michael Penix, Heisman? Dude, that offense stacked receiving core. Dude, that offense is fun as shit. And Penix is like found like I don't know if it's it's not the fountain of youth, but like he has found something up there yeah. in Seattle, and he's damn good. Um, he's not as as top tier as those quarterbacks, but Bo Nix is at Oregon, and he's perfectly fine. Yep, they're gonna have talent. Um, 
What's there's the... a somewhat, there was a there's a somewhat decent player at Oregon State now too that <laughs> I just think he was the quarterback at a very weird transition time for Clemson. Yeah, I don't know if anybody would have truly succeeded. Right, and just a ton of pressure when he wasn't immediately as good as Trevor Lawrence. Which, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not as good as Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I apologize. For that. Yeah. Which I've been saying that, like Trevor Lawrence has ruined five-star quarterbacks forever. Because if you're not good as your as a true freshman, then everybody's like, "The fuck's wrong with you? Why are yeah, you not good?" Every, every bit, and, and not every bit, but but most of the combination of DJU should have been thrown out the window when people saw a couple of the absolute dimes that Trevor threw last year when he finally got a coach in the NFL and everything. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, this guy's just kind of ungodly. Like, I mean, I think Dabo got somebody that truly was once in a generation and you're not going to see that for a while. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to look it up just to make sure I get this correct. Probably also something now he moved, but do you know where Trevor Lawrence was born? He's a Georgia kid, right? He was, but he was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. Fuck. Um, hey, but you know what? That that worked out for the best because the guy that was there <laughs> that would have been that that all worked out for the best in the long term. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure he never lost a game in high school. Um, right. let's see, or maybe he. Uh, as a starter. So from his sophomore to his senior year, they won 41 straight. Um, or maybe he only had one loss because it said he won two state titles, four region titles. So maybe they lost one year in a state championship or semi, title but, game, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like went a while in, in college without losing. Um, I mean, just to, um, I mean, just to, just a crazy, 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 crazy special guy. Special guy. Dumb question, but I mean, you would know this more than anybody else I know. Why did he go to Clemson? That proximity, that proximity. to Clemson in that area of Georgia, yeah. um, they they recruit that area pretty heavily. I mean, I think it was large part to to Dabo Sweeney. And I mean that, so yeah, he only lost two games in college. Um, but yeah, like that, uh, Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott, they were the co, the co OCs. They recruited him. I mean, they had, they had some really good offenses. I mean, so, so that, that coaching staff was Brett Venables, Jeff Scott, Mm-hmm. Tony, like, yeah. Which I, I, mean, I'm, I I'm, 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 I'm waiting to see if the return on this is. I'm waiting to see if I'm correct. I think Brent Venables made a mistake by going to Oklahoma. I think he, I think he had like finally accepted. Like, I'm just Bud Foster. I'm just going to be a coordinator my whole life. I don't know if he can get gotta, it done. But you got to try if. If that situation comes up where you can go to that program, you got to try it. Yeah. I mean, he's an Oklahoma guy. What was his best option, maybe? I mean, it's not like he was getting some crazy good gig. He would have gotten, what, a good ACC gig? Yeah, I mean, I think for him, he was either content with it or waiting on Beamer to retire. But I just don't think he ever wanted to be a head coach. I think he was just fine. The lunch pail king, like he was just cool with coaching defense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was enticing for Trevor Lawrence to go there because that was, you know, after Deshaun Watson did what he did there. Um, you know, that Clemson, I mean, they still do, but they were getting just blue chip receiver after blue chip receiver. They had, you know, some really good running backs. The defense was firing on all cylinders. So it was just kind of tailor-made for him to just go and just take over. Um, I mean, Dabo, like, say what you want to about the guy, but holy fuck. 
He's built I mean, a that, that, he's built a machine. Dude, Jesus Christ. Now they gotta they gotta bounce back in a big way this year. I'm interested to see what they look like. Because the cloud of DJ Uyongalele is gone. Kay Klubnik's another year older. Um, yeah. Venables is gone for another year. So what's that defense going to look like? And the ACC is is a little is about to get a little crowded up top. I think Florida State's the real deal. Yeah. Drake May is still in Chapel Hill. He's going to have them in every game because – I was going to say, they, North Carolina could beat anybody in, in the – not in the country. In the, North Carolina could beat anybody in the ACC. They're going to have to, they're probably going to have to beat people 50 to 45, but they can do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, Venables might get saved by a generational talent at quarterback because they did sign Jackson Arnold in last year's yeah. class. And he's a, I'm telling you, that's the fun thing about Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC and the Red River rivalry. You've got Jackson Arnold at Oklahoma and Arch Manning at Texas. Those two guys are waiting to take over at each school. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Um, which I, I did too, like this. You know, you, you got to be careful doing this now. Um, yeah. Can we do it in people's faces? Got to meet your dates for doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can get your credentials snatched if you do that. Um, so uh, we were going to try to buy as much time as we could for York to join us. Um, we have not heard from him, so I do not think he is going to. And then also, um, it's been a long week. Uh, I would be uh, I would be lying if I said I wasn't tired. But because um, <laughs> because look, York's over there rad dad and his ass off. I've been rad dadding here as well, solo parenting all week. You're rad dadding. Uh, you're you're in the the early stages of of dealing with lack of sleep while you work. Hey, hey I'm hey, I'm good this week, man. Because when that when that like was, two o'clock bottle hits, the British Open's already on. Oh, there you go. go. Yeah, I thought uh, you saw what I said. Six eight freak from Georgia Tech when it's <laughs> <when laughs> open. <laughs> You saw it. You saw what I sent this morning. That was great with my with my oldest giving commentary because I got up, I got up early because I wanted to get to media days early because it was Ole Miss's day and I needed to get there and get a bunch of stuff done. So I was up before. Well, my oldest was up, but he was still in his room like playing. So I got up, got breakfast going, and then I got the I got the the open on. So he comes down and he's like, "Golf? We watching golf?" I was like, yeah, yeah, we're watching golf. And then, yeah, like my, my favorite line that he had was, oh, look at the rocks, which that was just drone footage of the pot bunkers. And I was like, oh, those are bunkers. And he was like, bunkers? So I was explaining what a bunker was. But yeah, anytime <laughs> a guy would either shank one or put it in a bunker and he would just go, not again. <laughs> I was like, yep. You know the you're vibes. Like you're explaining Justin Thomas's life right now is all you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got, yeah, the opens on. So yeah, you, you're, you're, you're perfect. I mean, that is straight up morning. That's coffee golf. Okay. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. That's coffee golf where you, you put a little, put a little snip of bourbon in there too. Something in there. Little grandpa's old cough medicine. So I um, don't have, now I want to have four asshole kids from, you know, Northwest want to try to get an 18 holes at four 30 and I had a <laughs> snatch up from the course at eight 35. Then that, uh, that, that wake up call is always a little tough, but you know, mm. we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're operating on a summer schedule here. Um, so yeah, we may not be doing two episodes a week. Like we were, we, we had it rolling for a little bit. We'll try, um, next week i think we can make it happen and then hey if mlgw cooperates as long as we don't get any rain in the memphis area we'll be uh we'll be good and i think Which, by the way, week- I, want to, I want to say this just because this is the only platform i have that speaks to maybe more people than i normally can the the worst thing that ever happened in this country was during the great recession in 2008 we should have had a new deal type program that paid for the entire country to underground their power lines and just invest all you could. It could have created millions of jobs, millions of dollars and everything. And it would have worked perfect. And I'm crazy for saying this. No people are going to say, but I just got to get it out there because the city of Memphis would have benefited so much from this. And it just would have been an absolutely amazing program. You're not wrong. Exactly. I, I, I agree. 
Um, that would have solved a lot of issues. Um, but yeah, I also think I'll tease this. I think next week, if we do an episode Monday or Tuesday, I think we will have a, a, uh, a live in-person show for you later in the week. Oh, hell yeah. Cause I'll be in town. And I believe that I have, I have, uh, solved our issue with in-person podcasting. So shout out. Yeah. Big Rob Fisher, Mr. Grizzly himself. So uh, we'll be back next week. Um, just talking who knows what, probably more football because it's getting closer and that's just going to be what we do, but we're also talking some other stuff. So um, American media days, baby. <laughs> everybody pour, pour a little bit out for, for York as he's, trying to get uh, back on track and uh, shout out to Joe and um, shout out to you, the listener for tuning in. And of course um, our friends over at Bud Light, we appreciate your, uh, your patronage. Wiseacre. We, uh, we thanks for the, uh, for the Ananda y'all sent over. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're doing well. So until next week for Joe, I'm Zach. This has been the Red Dead pod. Get out of here.